Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. A really strong woman accepts the war she went through and is ennobled by her scars. Carly Simon. But they're jaskies. 500 years ago, walking the same trails as we were, were covering 27 kilometers a day. They built houses, tambillos, with fresh water every 27K. And by that point, we were on our third year of walking. Yeah, yeah, we're starting our third year of walking across South America. We were pretty beat and worn down from the food deserts and the, the lack of nutrition and some of the, the climate stuff that was going on. And we realized Man, we're here 500 years later with all the latest equipment and we're on average covering the same ground as the Jaskis were 506 years ago. <laughs> it was... <laughs> I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. Well, our content this week is so incredible in its scope, you, constant listeners, are going to be amazed. 
I am very excited to welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Bethany Hughes and Lauren Reed, who are on a trek spanning the length of the Americas and are connecting the story of the land to its inhabitants. How's it going, ladies? Going well. How are you, Doc? Yeah, Fantastic. I really appreciate you guys coming on tonight. And also, I know we had a, a little bit of a, a delay in our interview time. You guys allowed me to to uh, be a good host to some some family coming from from uh, nearby, and I had to play the the host and uh, be the barbecuer out there. And so, uh, I really appreciate you being flexible. Thank you. As the old saying goes, "Meets before deets." Meets before deets. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sure. I, I, uh, we're, we're making stuff up already. This is awesome. This is going to be a great episode. Okay. Well, hey, here on the podcast, we go strictly by trail names if possible. So Doc does not appear on my paycheck or on my driver's license, but that's what I go by here on the pod. Um, have you guys, in your experience, uh, picked up trail names along the way? Yes. Yes. And that was Lauren. Lauren, who yeah. said that Lauren, Lauren, tell me what your trail name is. And, and of course, tell me the story behind the trail name. That's, that's the, that's the great part. The great part. Um, my trail name is neon. Um, it came about during my through hike of the Appalachian trail way back in 2008. 2008. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. She's an OG hiker. OG is right. She might be OG instead of neon. <laughs> that would probably be other people much older um, or having hoped much longer. You're, you're still a young lass. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Sure. Um, according to my hiking partner, I'm squarely in middle age. <laughs> <laughs> this juncture. Uh, my trail name is Neon. I got that on the Appalachian Trail I started with a college roommate of mine and she already had a trail name. And so basically the first few days she was coming up with different names and trying to like um, think of one that I would approve of. <laughs> and she went through probably a few dozen, if not like a hundred of them before one day um, I had this bright, like greenish aqua pack cover because it was 2008 and people still use those um and she was like how about neon and I was like awesome so I had like also bright green duct tape on my trekking poles and it's just worked out since all right well I guess you're lucky you weren't bright green instead of neon <laughs> tell, tell us neon what, what were some of, what were some of the ones she tried out for you that you said, "Oh no, that is not going to fly." Do you remember any of those? I think one of them was like pack cover. <clears throat> Do you have one? Another one of them was the encroacher. Oh yeah. <laughs> the encroacher, it sounds like somebody from the Marvel comic universe. That one was also a bit too long for my for my liking, but it was like when I would set up or when she would get into, she would usually be like right ahead of me and she'd put her stuff down and I'd put her, my stuff down like right next to her stuff instead of like, even if we had the whole shelter for the whole, the whole campsite. The encroacher also, AKA the dependent. <laughs> 
when you get past two syllables, it becomes a little bit cumbersome. Don't you think I've, I've had this conversation before that, you know, polysyllabic trail names could be, can be troublesome in, ca- in case of emergency, especially, I mean, if there's a bear coming or if a tree's fallen, you cannot, you cannot, you know, say a five, a five syllable trail name and, and expect that person to survive. Yeah. That's why they all get shortened to two syllable or less anyway. Right. You know, mine, Doc, I mean, I know immediately if something's going wrong. Right? Apparently, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, Bethany, how about you? Have you picked up a trail name? Yeah, my trail name is Fidget. And I got it actually at um, the Softleys. Nope. Um, at Scout and Frodo's. Sorry. I got my trail name at Scout and Frodo's. It was my first through hike ever. And I was really excited. And I think there were probably five of us crammed out in the living room. And late at night, I decided I was like a real through hiker would obviously have her, her headlamp somewhere that she can reach it. And so I had to unpack my bag in the middle of the night in darkness and find my, my headlamp. And then I successfully got that out. And then I then decided I deserved a treat for having um, achieved that. So went pack diving again for uh, one of my my candies. And this voice came out of the darkness. It was a person who had become one of my um, most steady trail family members, Riff Raff, who was already a seasoned through hiker. And Riff Raff just goes, you're worse than a five-year-old the night before Christmas. We might have to call you Fidget. And... I was like, no, that's a baby name. I'm a great big through hiker, a grown up. Don't call me baby names. And then each time we would hit a town, I would, you know, get all of my chores done and be running around trying to find anybody else who was ready to head back up into the mountains. And eventually the crew who had become my trail family were like, no, we're, we're calling you Fidget. And then when I was at ADZPCTKO, we had to make write our name tags and I'd actually never seen the word fidget written down before. So I wrote F I D G I T. And there was one of the, the talks that they did. And the talk said only like three out of every four people at the time who were through hiking would complete the trail. And I was feeling really intimidated as a newbie hiker, you know, there's everybody who were, you know, ultralight was a pretty new thing. So everybody's comparing ounces and it, it felt like everybody there was way more prepared than I was. And I was getting self-conscious. And right after that, another um, more experienced through hiker walked by and casually was like, oh, you even misspelled your own trail name. It's F-I-D-G-E-T. And I got really bummed and I was sitting off on the side of the kickoff and um, Granite, another person who became a trail family member came by and he was like, what's up, Fidge? And I told him, I, I don't even know how to spell my own trail name. You know, I'm, I'm hiking with a, a spoon that I took out of my mom's kitchen drawer before I left. I don't have any of this fancy gear that anyone else has. And I can't even spell my own trail name. I don't think I'm going to make it. And, you know, he used a few choice words and essentially came in on the side of, on my side and 
then I called my little sister and I told her about it. I was like, I don't know if I'm as cool as all of these other people are. I don't know if I'm going to make this thing. And I, I've only done, I'd done like less than a hundred miles at that point. My sister said, you know, you don't have the gear, you don't have the experience, but for better and for worse, you're one of the most hard-headed people that I know. And so I know you're going to make it. And so I've held on to the misspelling of my name as a way of taking ownership of myself. And um, so I am fidget with two eyes. Fidget with two eyes. I've got, a, I've got a couple of questions. We just covered a lot of ground right there. There's, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, number one is before the interview started, uh, Fidget and Neon kind of told me about their styles. And Fidget says she was very talkative and Neon says that she was not. And I think the story of their trail names, I think that just exemplifies that that whole thing right there because Neon said, yeah, my, my pack cover was was Neon. And Fidget just launched into a, a dissertation there about uh, how it all came about. So that is perfect. Thank you, ladies. That, 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 is, that is awesome. <laughs> the other thing, Fidget, is I am pretty sure that spelling is not a prerequisite for, for through hiking. So you're okay. Yeah, I think it's in keeping with the dirtbag thing to not be so worried about spelling. That's right. That's right. And I think it's pretty cool that you picked up your trail name at uh, Scout and Frodo's. Uh, I've had Scout on the podcast here before. He is he is quite a character, and I really admire him for all that he does for, for our PCT hikers out there. If you think that I'm talkative now, then you should have been in the car to the trailhead when Scout and I were like singing songs the entire way. We're bouncing out the windows. Everyone else in the car was just kind of trying to, you know, squeeze against the wall, maybe hop out of a moving vehicle. So Fidget, the only rule here is you have to let the host, Doc, talk occasionally to kind of move the conversation along. All right? I'll allow it. Okay. Very good. And we had... uh, we, a few weeks back, we had Sana Wanki on the podcast, and she also picked up her trail name, First Row, from uh, Scout and Frodo's, and, and Scout actually gave it to her, which is, which is pretty cool. So you're, you're in good company. Nice. All right. Hey, ladies, have you listened to the podcast before? Yes, we have. Okay. So on YouTube, you can see them nodding their heads, but for the podcast, for the audio folks that are listening, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to say the answers. All right. Understood. Okay. There we go. Okay. Nice. Hey, I only ask because I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment that happens towards the end of the episode called the pro tip inside of the week, where I will turn to you and I will ask you for, to, to share some trail wisdom for our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. And so this is great when I love talking to two people at once because we get we get double the pro tips, double the gear reviews, double everything. So this is this is going to be fun. You are expected to drop trail wisdom throughout the episode, but you will be on the hook for the the official pro tip at the end, all right? Sounds good. Okay. The must bring gear review. Oh, thank you, Half Calf. She is reminding us that uh, we are at that segment where we have our must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gears company, Six Moon Designs. And so how this works is if you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So ladies, what is your must bring piece of gear? And who's going to go first here? I will. 
Oh, Neon. All right, Neon, step up to the mic. Let's hear you. So I was thinking about it and I was like, well, I mean, I'm not super particular about like most things, but something that's like really important when hiking is shoes. And so my thought was if Brooks still made my favorite pair of trail runners, I would definitely be packing those. Unfortunately, they don't make the pure grits anymore. I thought you were going to say Cascadia's. No. <laughs> after sort of falling out apart after a few hundred miles in Patagonia, we have shifted away from them. Okay. All right. That's a that's a a great uh, gear review because if your feet aren't happy, the hiker isn't happy. Got to keep the feet happy. Mm-hmm. All right. How about you, Fidget? Mine is an ultralight item because it is to always have a map on trail. And while I like to have a paper or a physical map, um, I also will compare that with a digital map. And the thing that I would be asking this anonymous packer is, did you remember to download the Gaia overlays of the map around the hike? And what would the answer be? Well, hopefully, yes. But if it's up to me, we're, we're batting at about a 70% average, unless I'm sitting at a trailhead looking for some reception. <laughs> now, one of, one of uh, the guys that I hike with, one of their favorite pastimes was whenever we got to a break or got to camp or we're taking a breather, the map would always come out. Is that, is that you, Fidget? Are you sitting around, look at the map and just kind of look at what's coming up, what to anticipate? I usually have it in my pocket and I'll look at it as a fidgeter. Um, I'm usually looking at it as they're going. And then also on the breaks, I like to do trail math. Yeah. Okay. Now I love talking about gear and I love hearing your, your, your opinions, the, uh, the opinions of our guests. And that's why we have. It's the hiking pole. The hiking pole. And I like to point out that pole is not P-O-L-E, like the ones in your hands. Pole is P-O-L-L, like a survey. And so I have a seven-question survey that's going to help me give you a score on a scale from one to 100. Call this the sanity scale, with 100 being completely sane and one being completely bonkers. All right? And I have to let you know that you each have already lost 20 points because you guys are long trail through hikers. And if, you, if you're long trail through hikers, you have to be a little crazy. So your top possible score at this point is 80 points. <laughs> Makes sense. This is totally subjective based on my own opinion on your, of your answers. So there's no rhyme or reason to this, uh, but it, it kind of helps me get a sense of, of who you are as a hiker. Are you ready for this? Ready. Okay. So we're going to take turns answering these questions. Each one, there's seven questions. Each of you gets to answer them. Here we go. First question, pretty easy. Trekking poles or no trekking poles out there? Definitely trekking poles. Usually trekking poles. Usually. What does that mean, Fidget? If I'm scrambling or if it's super windy or if I'm having to crawl a lot. Do a lot of crawling out there? Sometimes. What, what are crawling conditions? Um, 
fence. Um, Did you say fence? Did you say fence? A fen, F-E-N-S, fens. Fens, okay, fens. Willows. Got it, not, not F-E-N-C-E, F-E-N-S. No, there, there was one time when we, I think we crossed like 54 fences in a day and we definitely put our poles away for that. And so when we're talking about crawling here, do you, do you crawl under or do you crawl over a fence? Depends on how taut it is, but I usually prefer to go through. Okay. And then also if I'm on, um, on delicate landscapes, if I'm going through an area where there's a lot of crypto, I'm having enough to focus on my feet. So I don't want to be stabbing it as well. So if there's large slab or if there's anything that I might be damaging, then I'll put them away. Okay. Gotcha. Deduction noted. <laughs> All right. Next question. What's on your feet, boots or trail runners? I think I know the answer to this question. Well, you probably already know my answer compared to the last thing I said is a must have. Mm -hmm. um, definitely trail runners. Anything okay. It like rubs on my ankles and I can't walk. Say that again a little bit louder. Anytime that I wear boots, they rub on my ankles and I have like a nerve right there that likes to get between my ankle bone and the boot. I like that. The boots get on your last nerve. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. I, I can, I can empathize. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Fidget. How about you? Boots or trail runners? They're going to be a pain. It, it depends. I like boots when I'm scrambling or when there's a lot of scree and, but if I'm doing a long trail, then I like the runners. All right. And, and so do you carry a pair of trail runners and boots on, on the hike? If I'm on a long distance trail, I just have the trail runners. If I'm doing some mountaineering or some scrambling, then I'll usually also carry a pair of trail runners for approach or lower terrain. Okay. Deduction noted. No, wait. <laughs> I told, I told you it's wholly subjective, just according to me. That's all. Don't, don't take it personally. All right. Hey, when it comes to your shelter system, what is your preference? What is your preferred shelter system? Tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or cowboy camping? Or you know what? In for today's episode, I would say cowgirl camping. I was going to correct you, but you corrected yourself. <laughs> Deduction noted. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Neon. Um, for me, it'd either be cowgirl camping or, um, what are they called? Tarp tents. Oh, tarp tents. Yes. Okay. All right. Fidget. I think for me, it would be either cowgirl camping or a hammock because I like hammocks usually meet them in the tropics, trying to not be on the ground with the, with the pokey bitey things and i'm someplace tropical pokey bitey things yeah i got stung by a scorpion recently oh oh no wonder you would you would tie yourself between two trees i mean that that is that is uh incentive right there 
Yeah, very motivating. Yeah, very motivating. And and, and tell me about the the scorpion sting. How how bad was it? It was on an extremity, so it it wasn't too bad after the first four hours or so. We just we both have the similar taste in backpack nooks, and I take it as a compliment in hindsight. Okay, an extremity, the yeah. arm or hand or foot or hand, hand. Ouch, ouch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when it comes to to sleeping, I uh, do you prefer a sleeping bag or a quilt? I'm a very cold person in general. Um, <laughs> Personality wise or or temperature wise? I mean, that would be dependent on who you talk to. Okay, fair enough and how well they know me uh i think i warm up as you know me longer and then okay so by the end of the episode we're going to be fast friends neon you'll just be warm and cozy that's right um but i'm a cold person so like when i have tried to sleep in um what are they called again quilts quilts when I've tried to sleep in quilts, I get drafts um, anytime I move, and that is just terrible. So I'd go with sleeping bag. Okay. All right. Fidget, how about you? If you were to put a, a rating on your show, are we like G, P, G, R? We, we, are, we kind of verge between... P, G, and R. Okay, excellent. My preferred sleeping system is a hybrid, uh, like one of those quilts that you can also zip up when you need to, because then you cinch down the bottom, and I call it the cat's butthole, and I like that, because then I can poke a toe or two out if it's slightly too warm. What kind of butthole was it? I call it the cat's butthole in the bottom of my uh, hybrid quilt sleeping bag. Those feathered friends, I believe. The cat's butthole. I mean, is there a reason that we we ascribed an animal to this butthole? I mean, is aren't aren't all buttholes pretty much the same? Cats show theirs off a lot. Okay. And by the way, this is a conversation that I did not envision happening when I when I got out of bed this morning. Most people don't see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> the cat's butthole. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm writing that down in case you're wondering here. I'm wondering if that should be the, the title of the episode. <laughs> Nobody will know where it came from until they listen to like halfway through. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, that. Fidget, that is one of the more entertaining answers that we've had to that question. So congratulations. That's a, that's a highlight. Okay. Hey, next question. Dangerous question. Be very careful with this one. Huge point deduction possible here. So when it comes to food, are you girls stove, cold soak, or stoveless? I have done both stoveless and stoved. Not again. I am already a cold person. I don't think I need to cold soak. Uh, 
but usually I like having a stove because then I can have a warm beverage. Okay. Warm beverage is important out there. If I'm going to be out for more than two nights, I usually have a stove. Okay. All right. No point deduction. Nice. Nice. Way to slip right by that one. That was good. That was good. All right. Is life better above or below the tree line? I would say below because it's out of the wind. Okay. I would say that above tree line is the realm of the moody gods. And it's the terrain of beings who know how to grovel and humans hold our heads a little bit too high to last very long up there. So while I like it, because I feel like I'm in the range of the gods um, for the living of life below tree line. That answer, Fidget, took many twists and turns. I wasn't sure which way you were going. I mean, the to, to, to say something about, about the terrain of the moody gods, I mean, that, that sounds intriguing. That, that sounds appealing. Uh, somewhat. And I thought you were going there, but you ended up below the tree line. Yep. Okay. All right. And last question, do you pack for comfort or speed? For me, I'd say it's a mix. I feel like speed is comfort in a lot of ways. Um, So it's like, if you're carrying too much, then you're uncomfortable. And if you're carrying too little, then you are also uncomfortable. That, that applies to life too, doesn't it? Right? I use, I use the word balance quite a bit when talking about pretty much anything and everything. So yeah, okay. like balance. All right. I'm going to keep track of how many times you use the word balance throughout the episode. We're up to two right now. <laughs> okay. I'm going to keep a tally. I like to call myself a comfort cruiser um, because, yeah, I think I'm a, I'm a comfort hiker with an ultralight habit. A comfort hiker with an ultralight habit. That, that's, that's poetic right there. Nice. Nice. Nice, Fidget. Now, as long as we're talking about this, I mean, what, what were your base weights on the long trails out there? I have only ever weighed my backpack once purposefully um, and it was before the Pacific Crest Trail and my base weight was 15 pounds. Impressive. Yeah, I try to keep my base weight between like 13 and a half to maybe 15 and a half the few times that I've weighed it. Okay, so Fidget, you've weighed it a few times. Neon, you've only weighed it once. Is the philosophy there, Neon, that, you know, ignorance is bliss? You don't want to know how much you're carrying? Sometimes, yeah. Um, definitely there was a part, I think a time in South America where somebody else weighed my backpack just to see what it weighed. And I was like, mm, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Hey, let me do a little bit of math here. I got to have to carry the three. Got to divide by the square root of five. I'm going to multiply by pi, and I'm going to adjust for the altitude of, ah, let's go with Denali this week. And, uh, oh, some very interesting scores here. Neon, 
You already started out at a 20 point deficit, but you ended up at 75. That's, that's impressive. Wow, that is nice job. Strong, strong score. Strong score. Fidget didn't work out so well. We had we had some minor reductions here and there across the uh, across the seven questions, and you end up with a sixty-six. Ooh, I like that number. I'll take yeah. it. Badge of honor. Badge okay. of honor. All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. We would love to hear about your origin stories which would include kind of uh, your background, where you grew up, um, what kinds of uh, activities did you participate in as a, as a, a young lady and how you got involved in the through hiking cult? Because uh, I'm not, no, no judgment here, but it is a cult because any, any organization or group that convinces you to be out uh, in the dirt for months, possibly years at a time is, is definitely a cult. Who wants to go first? You going first if that works. Um, this is Neon. I grew up in central Pennsylvania. I was actually born in Pittsburgh. If there are any sports fans out there, um, you Steelers fan? I'm not. Uh, <laughs> you a Pirates fan? Most people bring up, oh, the Steelers or oh, the Penguins. They forget that the Pirates also exist. Um, but yes, I grew up in Pittsburgh and then central Pennsylvania, um, just kind of playing around outside with family members and then friends as I, as I grew up, but I didn't really get super involved in like outdoor organized sports until, um, college when I, um, joined the outing club at the university I was going to, and a friend, actually freshman year of roommate, freshman year of college, my roommate who I knew from high school, she came in after having dinner with a friend of hers and was like, I think I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail when I'm, when I graduate. And I was like, just getting into backpacking as freshman year. I was like, Ooh, what's that? I had never heard of it, even though it goes through Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> and so she explained what it was and I was like, huh, maybe I'll do that too. And, um, she ended up, we both like made it to the, the start. Her dad actually drove us down and, um, she had already planned on getting off trail, um, due to a summer job that she really loved. She was, she led, uh, horse, horseback riding trips in that the Adirondacks up in New York. And so she went and did that and I finished the trail on your own. I had at that point met someone who is now one of my best friends. Um, and he and I actually hiked for four and a half or five months together and finished together. Nice. Nice. All right. And what was that moment like when you realized that there was a trail that's that spanned from Georgia to Maine? I love to hear about that. You know, that first impression of, oh my gosh, there's there, this is a thing, a trail exists that that's that long that I could hike all the way. Yeah, that was, I don't know that, I think it just like kind of shifted the idea of like outdoor pursuits for me. Like, yeah, I was, I guess I climbed before and like skied and stuff like that but then to find out that you can do this kind of stuff for longer 
and just kind of have a general goal that you can just keep going was really um, different. Mm -hmm. And where are you in the birth order of your family? I am the third of four of us. Okay. Third of four. And what did the rest of your family think about this undertaking of yours? Um, They were skeptical um, and uncertain, but I mean, 2008, you know, it was like, we still had cell phones. And so every once in a while I'd text my dad when I had service um, and he'd be, I'd tell him where I was and he's like a, pretty big map dude as well and so he would like look it up and be like oh yeah you're right near this town and i'd be like yeah that's the next town we're gonna go into so. 2008 you had cell phones but the cell phones weighed four pounds oh uh, i mean mine fit in my back pocket but i haven't weighed it so <laughs> maybe bigger. just making fun of the og there that's okay all right how about you fidget where'd you grow up um, I grew up in Ecuador and Chile, so my first experience of the outdoors was uh, climbing in the Andes. And then now, hang on a second. You grew up in Ecuador. I don't, I don't, I don't sense any kind of accent coming from you. That that's it's not an Ecuadorian accent that you have. Nice, nice. Uh, how, yeah. how, how long were you in Ecuador? My family moved there when I was about four years old and we were only there for, I think a year, a little bit over a year. And then we moved to Chile, which is where most of, so my brother was born in Ecuador at 9,000 feet. And then we moved to Chile where we were for stationed for four or five years. And that was from when I was about five till I was 10. So that was my early uh, mountain climbing period. Okay. And Fidget, I'm particularly tickled by the way that you mentioned your brother was born at 9,000 feet. Most birth certificates will list, you know, length and and weight and and not list the altitude at, at which that person was born. Do you have, do you have an altitude for each of your siblings as to, you know, how high you guys were born? Um, I mean, my sister and I were born in, in Nebraska and Kansas, so it's nothing exciting. So that's like, that's like zero, right? That's it. Maybe, maybe 10 feet. Yeah. About, uh, 600 feet, 600 feet. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, I was also born into a scouting family. So I watched all of the men in my family go off to Philmont and do boy scouts. And I really wanted to go and, um, figured out a way. And then um, I went back there as a guide, as a ranger for three years. And then while I was running sled dogs in Alaska, there was a fellow that I'd taken a shining to, and he mentioned that he wanted to hike this thing called the Pacific Crest Trail. So I waited till the next time we were down off the glacier when I could get to a computer and I looked it up and i couldn't fathom something that long. I thought that you'd have to be superhuman to, to walk a trail like that. And so of course I immediately wanted to do it. So I kept the ditch, the guy kept the trails. Ditch the guy kept the trails and fidget. I love your turn of phrase. You took a shining to him. That's, (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) All right. And Hey, how did, how did the two of you meet up with each other? 
So we actually met on the Pacific Crest Trail in 2010. I think we were somewhere in California. We were in two na- two adjacent neighborhoods. Um, Neon was hiking with Team Volva Johnson, and I was hiking with Team Crass of Crass. And we would overlap. And I had never, again, growing up around Boy Scouts, I'd never been exposed to large numbers of women interested in outdoor pursuits. So it's very curious because Neon's group was just this, was primarily really strong women. Um, So I was watching them and keeping an eye on them. And then we crossed ways several times there. And then I was posted up in Colorado while she was completing her triple crown on the Continental Divide Trail. And I got to crew for her and host her and her people while they were coming through. And by that point, I was already planning the Herodicy adventure and um so while neon after she'd finished hiking while she's living down in moab she would come up to escape the heat sometimes and would ask me questions about my planning and sometimes i would go down to escape the snow in the winter and we'd talk more about the trail and then eventually she said that she was like i'll do it but i'm only going to do i'll only commit to doing south america with you okay and our listeners are intrigued now because, you know, we haven't fully fleshed out what, what uh, the two of you uh, are, are attempting to do and this whole her odyssey thing. And we're going to get to that. So stay tuned. Don't, uh, don't, um, don't give up. We're, we're going to talk a lot about that, but I want to go back just for a second. Neon, what was your trail family's name on the PCT? Team Volva Johnson was the, the, family i was hiking with at that point that's what i that's what i thought fidget said okay all right i don't know if i should ask a follow-up question on that or not (laughs) it's your choice (laughs) your show i think i i I actually i think it's it's pretty self-explanatory so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna leave it right there Mm -hmm. okay okay now uh how, how are you two financing your adventures what do you do to pay the bills It's been a combination of buckling down and saving up and working for the years before, uh, um, living frugally while we're out here. We're largely uh, supported at this point by our Patreon community. And then every now and then an angel giver pops up or some, a couple bucks will come in via PayPal or Venmo. And so that's, we're floating by, we're, we're eking by. (laughs) Okay. All right. And if you're not watching on YouTube, you will have missed the two or three big, big yawns that Neon has had so far. I hope that's not an indication of what kind of a host I am and more, more that, uh, you know, whatever time zone they're in right now is, is pretty late. Where, ladies, where are you calling in from? We are currently in Banff, <laughs> uh, Alberta, Canada. Okay. And I'm looking at my clock here. It's 7.42 p.m. here in Southern California. What time is it there? Well, it's an hour later. It's 8.42. 8.42. Really late. That explains the big yawns. 8.42. Okay. For this OG hiker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about uh, some stories from the trail of some of their long trails. And we're also going to get into her odyssey. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. 
From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Now, welcome back. We are talking to Fidget and Neon. Uh, now we're going to delve into some of their, their past uh, hiking experiences and see if we can draw any stories out of them. And I definitely want to hear about the Her Odyssey and what that is all about. So um, we've already talked a little bit about how the two of you did some time together on the PCT. And that was back in 2010, 2010. Yep. And before, before you did 2010 PCT, uh, Neon, you did the AT in 2008? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then you also, Neon, you did you did the CDT as well. What year was that? I did that one in 2013. 2013. So from 2008 to 2013, you knocked out the three long trails, the three American long trails, and became a triple crowner. At what point did you realize that you wanted to be a triple crowner? This is a goal of yours. Um, I did not know until I was starting the CDT. Really? Yeah. Uh, I did the AT and on that trail, I learned of the PCT. I had never heard of it before. Um, and then on the PCT, I finished that and was like, okay, I'm going to go do something else for a while. And I went and worked for a wilderness therapy company in Utah, which is how I ended up in Utah from Pennsylvania. 
Um, and during that time, I learned a lot more and like kind of um, did a couple of stints of hiking around there. And then I did when I did the Colorado Trail, I was like, I need to see the rest of this. And um, so I was like, okay. And it's the same reason I did the PCT. Like I went out and did a chunk of it in 2009 with a friend of mine who had through hiked that year. And I was like, holy crap, I need to see the rest of this. Like the Goat Rocks Wilderness was, and Mount Adams Wilderness was just amazing. And I was just like, I need to see the rest of this trail. Right. And so it, so you finished the AT, you did the, the PCT, but it wasn't until even a, a few years after the PCT that you decided you're going to be a triple crowner and do the CDT. Correct. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. Cause I know that I've talked to some people that, you know, they were on their, their first long trail hike of say the AT and they knew halfway through, Oh, I've got to do all three. I'm going to be a triple crowner, but that was not necessarily how it went for you. No, I don't know that it would go that way for me. Cause it's even when I'm on trail, people will be like, Oh, so you're going to through hike the whole trail. And I'd be like, I mean, that's the plan, but you can't like say that. And then like, how bad do you feel? What if like something comes up or like you have a family emergency or something happens or to you, like un even uncontrolled by yourself. And so I just would never, I don't know. I don't make promises that I can't keep. Nice. You, you remind me of a saying from my friend magnet, who's on the PCT right now. And that is that everybody is a section hiker until they touch the Northern terminus. Agree. You never know what's going to happen out there. Exactly. And to, I don't know. I think it can become dangerous if you decide before you even get on a trail that you're going to through hike it. Mm-hmm. Now, Neon, finish the, finish the sentence for me. I am a long distance through hiker because. Hmm. I like the time and the space that it gives me. That is all. <laughs> okay. I'm not frozen here. I'm, I'm an educator, so I, I'm good at wait time. I want to see what develops. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say it's the time and the space and the um, processing speed is helpful. Um, Cause then I can like get out there and like a lot of times, especially on the CDT, I was actually, processing a lot of stuff that had happened the year before, as well as like working in wilderness therapy, you deal with a lot of like different emotional states and traumas and stuff like that. So processing a lot of, a lot of that. Um, yeah. And just like thinking about my other through hikes and were they for me or were they for somebody else or were they due to like different extenuating circumstances and like having been an athlete growing up was like another way to challenge myself in a way that I could do it at my own pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now neon, I feel like we're friends at this point. Mm-hmm. We're tight. We, we, we've, we've shared some words. And so I know that people, and you've mentioned this, people process a lot of stuff that people are dealing with stuff out there. Right. I mean, you're, you're, 
most of the time you're with yourself, even when you're hiking with a, with a tramley, you know, you're not all hiking at the same speed. You're, you're half mile behind, mile behind, mile ahead, whatever it may be. You're spending a lot of time with yourself in your own head, dealing with stuff, processing stuff. And so you could tell me, you, you, you know, as a friend now, you, you can tell me that I'm, you know, what I'm asking is, is too personal. You don't want to talk about it, but you know, what kinds of stuff were you dealing with out there? Um, in general, um, like I definitely have quite a bit of anxiety. And so I was thinking at least on the CDT and like a lot of this stuff, I didn't learn as much about or know as much about until I started working wilderness therapy as a guide. And so like, I think part of it, like a lot of the processing kind of happened on more on the, on the continental divide trail. Cause it was like post having worked in a therapeutic realm. And so it was like, um, I had had quite a few things happen to me the year before, like I was in a, um, involved in a near fatal car wreck. Um, I had a relationship end. um, I had like, I had gotten laid off, which is why I had the time and money to do the CDT at the time that I did. Um, and so processing all that and like thinking back on my, my, my former through hikes and coming, like recognizing kind of how anxiety played a pretty big part in like the speed and like who I was hanging out with and who I was spending time with. And, um, like a lot of the people that I spent time with are still really amazing, great friends, but they've also gone through their own growth and their own, like lessons learned and their own like process of of evolution um so that was a lot of processing of many different things really depended on (laughs) right and i know that you know when we have our experiences with with like a near-death experience or we lose a loved one uh you know it causes us to think about you know our place in the world and mortality and meaning of you know, everything. And uh, I'm not even sure what the question is here, but after that near-death experience, I mean, what, what kind of impact did that have on you? I think it was just a very blatant reminder that tomorrow is not promised. Um, and like a lot of times people will get that when a family member um, is lost or like even an animal or a pet, which many people consider family members um or even if you have like a close call and and so it's like kind of the movement of through hiking also helps like the body process it in a lot of ways because you do store trauma in your body whether you process it mentally or not um and so yeah, it's, it definitely is. I think it just comes down to like recognizing your body might not always be there for you, like do things when you can. And it's the same stuff that we've heard across the continents from like older people that we've run into who are like, Oh, I wish I was doing, I had done stuff at your age instead of trying to do it now that I'm retired. Um, yeah. Okay. Now you've done all three of the long trails. I have to ask you, which is your favorite? Um, I loved the people on the Appalachian Trail. Like my best friends are still from there. 
Um, we meet up at least once a year. And um, I really love the gradient of the Pacific Crest Trail <laughs> because of it being graded for pack stock. Um, and then, yeah, the, I mean, parts of the CDT were beautiful. I still need to go back and see the San Juans because they were under snow the whole time I was going through them. Um, I'd like to see what the trail actually looks like. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I would say that they're doing, and the Wind River Range is just like one of the most gorgeous places I've ever been in my life, which it looks like that might be your background, but I didn't want to make a complete guess. Um. That is Evolution Lake ah, in the Sierras. Yes, got it. Maybe now, Fidget, it. Fidget, did you realize what just happened there? I asked her for her favorite, and she she went on to say great things about each of the trails, but she did not share her favorite. Because that's an unfair question. Uh, what? An unfair question? It's such a garbage thing to ask a through hiker. <laughs> Fidget, put me, Fidget put me on blast. A garbage question. A garbage question. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, I'll ask it a different way. If you could only hike one of those trails again, which one would it be? Could I do it as a section hike? Sure. Then it'd probably be the CDT because I didn't see parts of it because they were under snow. <laughs> okay. Each one of those trails has a very different personality. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. I don't and very and I can see the, I can see the appeal of each. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. Fidget, let me ask you some garbage questions. You ready? All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, early on, I asked, I asked Neon what her family thought of her choosing to go out there and spend months on end out in the wilderness. Uh, I, I neglected to ask you, what was your family's reaction and, and where do you fall in the birth order? Ooh, guess, guess where I fall in the birth order. I'm going to say you're the youngest. Oh, I am the oldest. The oldest, really? Mm-hmm. Oldest of how many? Uh, I'm the oldest out of three. Okay. All right. And what is, what is the, the age gap? We're all really close. My sister is two and a half years younger than I am. And my brother's four and a half years younger than I am. Okay. All right. And what did the family think of you going out there? Were they worried? Were they concerned about you? Yeah, probably. But I don't think they were surprised by it. I had been using uh, slow travel and, and long distance walking as a way to cope with my own mental health journey since for, for quite some time. Okay. All right. And when did you decide? How did you decide? Why did you decide to do the PCT? I guess, yeah. I mean, I had been taking walks through through high school and through university. Um, and then once I learned that there was, you know, a, a red carpet of something laid out with, with things clarified around it and that there was a framework of it. Um, it actually afforded me a structure to present what I did in a more acceptable and successful light to my family to show them that there is, in fact, a community 
of people and a rather large and a growing one who use this or who engage with the world in this way and function in this way. So I actually feel like it helped finding the through hiking community helped me make more sense and be more acceptable to my family than I had been previously. Okay. And, and that makes sense. When you say you took long walks, I mean, wh- what does that mean? What did those long walks look like? Were these long walks in urban or suburban areas? Is it long walks in the woods on the trail? What what did that look like? Uh, I pretty much walk wherever I could. Um, I so yeah. When I mean, when I was in high school, it was with the Boy Scouts getting to go to Philmont and then working at Philmont in the summers. And when I wasn't hiking with a crew, I would go out hiking by myself through college. When I was at college in the U S for part of it, I would just head out and I would walk as far as I could from the city that I lived in. Um, and then I would find a farmhouse and call my roommate to come pick me up. And then when I, I got to study at Oxford for a year and I only had to go to tutorials once a week. So I would just put all of my books and all of my rock into my backpack and I would walk for five days. And that was a pace at which I could, I could read the books. I could process because there wasn't any technology around. And then I would come back and write a paper and present, and then I'd go back out and walk again. So that was how I like ended up on the, I didn't know they had names at the time, but I ended up on the West Highland way I walked the Pembrokeshire Coast Path. I walked the Peaks District, the Lakes District, et cetera. Okay. And, and you know, along those, those lines, you do, you've done a, a number of foreign trails, including some, some time in the Andes, uh, some time in Nepal. And the, the paths that you just mentioned were, were in Scotland and in Wales and in the UK. Yeah, I think the interesting thing for me was I had always gone for walks as a way to cultivate solitude. And then I learned about um, Tolkien and then having their group called the Inklings. I, I like to go study at the, the pub that they used to meet at, the bird and the baby. And there an older guy was telling me about how, you know, they would walk for community. And that was actually how I ended up on the Tamang Heritage Trail with a group um, from One Seed Expedition. It was my first time walking with a group. And um, that was a very different experience and a really wonderful one and something I would have entirely missed out on if I'd kept just walking by myself. Okay. Now, before we move on to her odyssey and and what that's all about, I would just like to ask each of you, uh, did you ever find yourself out there on a hike? wondering what am I doing out here or, you know, uh, an, uh, an uh-oh moment where you think, oh my gosh, I'm not going to survive Any, anything to that extreme out there that you, you two have experienced. I don't know that I'd ever let, I'm not going to survive come into my head. Um, but there was a time on the Pacific crest trail where I was I like kind of jumped ahead because I was going home for a family reunion and I was going to try to walk um, in the, at the north end of the Sierra Nevadas, um, north of Sonora Pass. I got dropped off at Sonora Pass and tried to go north from there and the snow, the melt hadn't started yet. And I was like the first one through because I had jumped ahead to try to like cover some ground. 
And um, I ended up covering 33 trail miles in three days because I kept getting lost in the snow. Um, I lost a um, long underwear top somewhere along there. And I kept forgetting to eat because I was so stressed out about like, um, not fine. Like I would find the trail at least once a day. <laughs> and at that point in 2010, we didn't have like the GPS tracks. We didn't have gut hook. We didn't have, um, the, the apps that happen today. So I was just like, I had my paper maps and my compass and I'd be like, okay, the trail goes this way. And like, thankfully I knew how to read um land as well but the land was covered in snow so um that was pretty stressful and then I actually ended up getting a ride down from the next road pass from two people that were backcountry skiing where I was trying to hike um so that would probably be one that is pretty heavily imprinted in my mind as a like I don't know if that would have been a good idea yeah, I, I would say that if you forget to eat because you're so stressed out, that, that has to be a very stressful situation. Yeah, um, when I get super high stress, I definitely forget to eat. So I like for, I drank enough water because I was like, I need to drink water, I need to drink water. But I would drink, I would eat like, I think a bar for breakfast and then maybe like two or three bars throughout the day. Um, but I wouldn't, I'd be like too tired at the end of the day to, to make myself any dinner. And so my bear barrel was still like huge, like mostly full by the time I got to the next pass. Yeah. You got to keep eating out there just to make your, your pack lighter. Right. So you're not carrying that same weight around for weeks on end. (laughs) Yes. That's what I eat for to make my pack lighter. That's right. That's right. Fidget. How about you? Any, any extreme moments out there? I mean, I think those extreme moments are why I go out there um, as a person who casts about to the extremes inside of her own mind when those can be met by the extremes in nature and things like listening to rocks tumble below the raging river that you are trying to cross or when lightning strikes the mountainside beside you and you can taste it. um, Those are the moments that remind me how much I want to be alive, where there are other environments that um, can make me lose hold of that. That was very poetic. Are you a writer? I hope to be. That was beautiful. The way you, the way you phrase that. I love that. That's great. Okay. Hey, let's, let's transition. Let's talk about her odyssey and uh, the, her story series. Which one of you wants to explain this to me? What, what, what is the objective? What's the story behind her odyssey? Um, I will explain it. Okay. Our, our mission is a human powered odyssey to travel the length of the Americas, connecting the story of the land and its inhabitants. The way that has manifested for us as two women traveling at this time has been a lot of being able to connect with um, stories that maybe are not often shared with male foreign travelers. 
and spending most of our time in the outdoors has been a lot of exposure to the effects and outcome and the shifts of climate crisis. So while there are three men who have walked the length of the Americas previous to us, most of their narratives and from having them as guides and mentors, it was mainly fixated on their journey. And we wanted to introduce a component of, of hearing the stories and learning about the journeys of the people who live on the land that we are traveling past. So some of that has been the gauchos and the arieros of Patagonia. It's been the Mapuche people who are still fighting the damming um, in, in the Aysen and in the, in the uh, Lagos and the river regions. It's been, you know, migrating alongside the monarch butterflies um, and watching how the trails change. And it's meant adapting our route because of things like polar vortexes, uh, sending down Arctic thrusts or volcanoes erupting um, or storms or COVID. Um, so there's been a lot of humility and adaptation in the Herodicy journey as well. Okay. And when did you start uh, Herodicy? November 23rd, 2015. 2015. So we're coming up on what, six and a half years? Yeah. <laughs> Six and a half years. What, I mean, that is that I, I love having a goal that encompasses, you know, you know, how long is this going to take a decade? I mean, having, having that kind of goal and kind of that kind of purpose and sticking to it. I mean, that, that says something about you too. Well, Odysseus took 10 years to, for his odyssey. So, you know, I maybe got a little bit cocky and thought, you know, all the modern amenities are going to make things so much faster. We'll do it in half the time. But by the time we got to Peru, we were walking on something called the Capacnian, which is, so the Inca trail is actually 30,000 kilometers of trails that run through the Andes and one along the coast. And we were walking the mountain route and we we're talking to the locals and they're telling us about the Jaskis, who were the, the message carriers from, from Cusco, who would carry the message out to the, you know, their empire extended as far south as Aconcagua and then as far north as the, the cloud forests. But their Jaskis, 500 years ago, walking the same trails as we were, were covering 27 kilometers a day. They built houses, tambillos with fresh water every 27 K. And by that point we were on our third year of walking. Yeah. Yeah. We're starting our third year of walking across South America. We were pretty beat and worn down from the food deserts and the, the lack of nutrition and some of the, the climate stuff that was going on. And we realized, man, we're here 500 years later with all the latest equipment and we're on average covering the same ground as the Jaskis were 506 years ago. <laughs> it was wow. Humble. <laughs> and so there are three obvious parts to this hike, right? There are or this, this trip, there's South America, Central America, and North America. And so what have you done so far and what is left? We took two years across South America, um, two years in hiking days. Um, it took and then we paddled, like sea kayaked Central America and bike packed Central America and then Mexico. Um, we have 
we split up for the U.S. because I had already done the CDT. Fidget wanted to do the CDT. And so she did that in 2019 while I was bikepacking the Western Wildlands route. Okay. Which, um, is directly east, uh, west, west. Yeah, Western, uh, directly west of the CDT. And then um, we did the Great Divide Trail as well up here in Canada. So all we have, we've done what? How many miles? 17,000 miles? 17, wow. 17,500 miles of this journey over the past six and a half years. And we're getting ready to set out on what we believe will be the last leg to the Arctic Sea, um, which is the same way that many of the first white explorers traveled out that way. And it's via the Arctic drainage from Jasper which is where the Great Divide Trail crosses the Athabasca River, which we will be canoeing down. Okay. And, and just to put things into perspective, um, South America is, what, what, is the, what is the length of South America? What is the total distance? The distance that we covered was 8,000 miles. 8,000 miles. Just over, I, I have on my notes here, 8,024 miles. Ooh. Correct. Do I do I get points? Does my score go up? I'm gonna take some notes here. You're getting points. Okay, points added, not points deducted. Very good. All right, eight thousand twenty-four miles, seven hundred and thirty days is what it took you. Right, six countries, and I also have in my notes here uh, twenty pairs of shoes. Was that twenty pairs each, or twenty twenty pairs total between the two of you? Each. 20 pairs each. To be fair, I started in wildly inappropriate shoes and had to uh, change out relatively quickly. You wearing flip-flops? <laughs> Close. Um, I, at first there was no trails. And when there's no trails um, on open landscape, I like to hike and approach shoes. But as soon as we hit roads, they started chewing at my feet. Um, so we had to switch out or I had to switch out. Okay. And what were some of the highlights of South America? Some of your favorite parts of that part of the journey? There is a lot of South America. Um, I really enjoyed Patagonia. The hospitality down there is just like amazing. And the amount of people that invited us in and, and um, helped us along and gave us directions when we didn't have a specific trail that we were following before we we met up with the greater patagonia trail um they were just lovely lovely people and just like so excited to help us and um that was amazing and then um as fidget mentioned the the inca the inca trail the cup like parts of that there are just still so many ruins along it and seeing the history and ex experiencing the history uh, and the endenes mm. and all the growth that they would do and how the people in the Andes use the endenes to their um, benefit to be able to grow a bunch of different things. Um, yeah, 
and then to to through Central America and seeing all the birds and the um, the different wildlife that come through the jungles instead of um, the the high altiplano areas of of South America that we were along before that, and um, then through Mexico and getting to experience that history and that culture of the indigenous people there and like how they're still there and still like having ceremonies on the ancient Mayan sites. Um, and then even like coming up to, I don't know, coming up here to Canada and just learning more and more about the, the First Nations here and how a lot of the Great Divide Trail follows the First Nations former routes that then became fur trapper routes that then became a through hike so right and listening listening to you talk neon i have a sense that that you 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 two are are steeped in history and when i say history i also want to say you know her story that uh you know what has gone on before and did you have a sense of that as you were experiencing it did it have some kind of uh did it making make it more meaningful understanding what had transpired before um, from earlier peoples on those same paths? For me, I feel like I've always been really into history because it's interesting to know. Uh, to I don't know. I feel like it gives me a better picture of the area, and like I feel like I can hear about history and then look around and be like, okay, yeah, like I see this part of history still happening and this part of history had to like come in and maybe this is why they don't trust white people is because of this history. And so that can also be safer um, in certain areas. Um, but yeah, I would say it definitely gives me a more well-rounded um, view of the world. Right. And I have to confess that when I, I did my research on your, your odyssey, that when we got, to, I got to the Central America portion and I, I thought this has to be a typo. And I think it has to do with, with my poor geography upbringing. I'm not going to blame the education system. I'm going to blame myself that I didn't realize how large Central America is, how long it is. I thought maybe I was off by a, a, a decimal. I saw I saw 3,500 miles for, for Central America. And I thought that that had to be incorrect. That, that could not be, it could not be as wide as, as it cannot be as long as the U.S. is wide. There's no way it could be 3,500 miles. And then I, I did, I, you know, I went to Google Maps and I entered a location, a starting position in a, you know, any position. Sure enough, 3,500 miles. That, that just blew me away. Yeah, it's very sinuous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, good word. Good word. Sinuous. Thank you. Um, because it's so narrow and thin, people don't see it as much, especially as us coming from like the big blocky country of the US. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of history there. And it's like, um, it's very much a route that has been traveled for, for hundreds and hundreds of years by, by peoples across the across to get from south america to north america or the other way around north america to south america mm -hmm. okay now you've done uh, a number of 
a number of miles in North America already. Uh, what, what is left for you, Fidget and Neon? What, uh, what's the last piece and how long do you expect it to take? So the last piece that remains for us is to canoe the Arctic drainage. We'll put in at Jasper and we'll paddle out the Athabasca River, the Slave River to the Great Slave Lake, and then out the Becho River, or uh, also known as the Mackenzie River, ideally arriving to Inuvik or to Taktoyaktak. But if the oceans aren't letting us, then Inuvik. Um, where again, we'll be following in a, you know, a very old tradition of, of water travel. I think, yeah, originally I had envisioned this entire journey being by foot, but it was encountering regions such as the Darien Gap where we got in there and the locals, um, you know, they're like, there's not, there's not a way for your kind of people through here, you know, thousands of people cross the Darien Gap. Um, every week, just, um, not white people. Hmm. So that taught me humility. And then when I was looking at how to get across Canada, originally I'd been looking on foot and I'd found a couple of accounts. And then it was one of those times when Google earth maps glitched and it zoomed way out and I, my brain hadn't adjusted. And I suddenly saw this big blue highway going exactly the way I've been trying to plot a ground route. And so I just shifted um, every single thing inside of my little head to <laughs> meet that, that offer that the planet has made to us. Okay. And you mentioned the Great Slave Lake. Are, you, are either of you, both of you fans of the History Channel show alone? I actually recently learned about it from a friend who was like, oh, they do that show along that. That's right. Huh. So, yes, I, as of two weeks ago, (laughs) I am aware of that show. (laughs) Okay. Hey, I have have a great suggestion for you. There's a great companion podcast to the History Channel's Alone. It's called Solitude, and it's hosted by myself and my son, Jukebox. And so we do a deep dive into every episode. We've done it for a couple of seasons now. We're looking forward to the next season. But I have to tell you, ladies, that a lot of grizzlies, a lot of bears in and around Slave Lake. It is a dense population of grizzlies. Mm-hmm. For, those, for those who are listening on the podcast, uh, they're nodding at me with smiles on their faces like, yes, we are aware and uh, we're, we're not intimidated by that. Well, I mean, we're definitely intimidated. I would just say of the various species that we've had encounters with, grizzlies are pretty clear about their expectations for respect and they're not out to to trick you or they're not looking to attack you. And it's just like it is when you go into a foreign culture, right? You, You observe, you learn how to move with respect And that doesn't preclude surprise events, but of the various grizz that we've met over the years, um, we've had nothing but good interactions with them. So um, I think it would be, it would be unbecoming to say that we're not uh, concerned or aware about it. And we are definitely going in prepared for that, Um, but they're not the enemy. No, no, not at all. And they're, I can already tell they're 
they're not going to prevent you from doing, doing what, you know, what you set out to accomplish. I, I have no doubt in my mind. So how, how long, how long is this last section? How long do you expect this to take? Ideally three and a half months. Um, possibly our, our window up here is, is quite short and it's shifting because of climate crisis. So Nian is, is helpfully gesturing with her hands to show how very short of a window it is. And it's about face width is what we've, yeah, yeah. Even getting a little bit smaller, even there. So um, yeah, we're just working within some pretty tight parameters. Okay. Hey, can I, can I secure this right here, right now, that once you finish, you will come back and talk to, talk to me about your, your final leg and how it went? Um, let us talk about it. It's unanimous. We're willing. Oh, I, until you said you were willing, I didn't know if it was a unanimous no or a unanimous yes. So I, I'm I am thrilled to hear that. I can't I can't wait to uh, follow up with you and hear about this last leg. Okay. All right. You want to see our decision making process for most things? That was it, right? Uh, all those in favor of coming back onto the show, say aye, aye. It's been voted unanimously. We will return. Motion carries. Excellent. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, ladies, you know where we are right now? Where? The pro tip insight of the week. That's right, half calf. We're at that time of the episode where I turn to these two and I ask them to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. And again, it's a two for one. You've been dropping trail wisdom all along the way here, but uh, I'm interested to hear what, what kind of uh, trail wisdom you have to share with our listeners. Who's going first? I mean, Neon, Neon's been on the spot a lot here. She's, she has talked far more than I anticipated. After our initial uh, in, introductions, I thought, oh, this is, this is going to be something here. But she, she has really stepped up to the plate and has volunteered a lot. So I think, Fidget, I think you should be on the hook here for the first bit of trail wisdom. All right. Well, I got to say, Doc, you've gotten me on talking more than I've ever seen her talk on a podcast before. So I was just impressed. Um, I think my trail wisdom would be keep a journal, bring a journal and keep it for yourself. I know there's a lot of impetus and, and pressure to keep online journals. And I think those come out very different. Um, keeping a personal journal can be a helpful way to triangulate yourself in the future. And I think my tip would be, um, if you are carrying paper maps, I like to write my journals on the backs of my maps because those also help me place exactly where I am at that time. And those have been, you know, a decade now into my a decade plus into my backpacking, um, career. Uh, those are some of my most treasured physical objects in my life. Very nice. Very cool. How about you, Neon? Um, I would say, and I love this because I have a bike shop that always says it, but it's like, don't leave home without your uh, positive mental attitude. Um, they call it a PMA. And I think that can go pretty far. And it's like, I don't see that as like necessarily having to be happy all the time or like visibly excited. <laughs> um, but to have a positive attitude, if you can, um, 
can carry you a lot further than you think. Like it's like people say it's mind over matter. And sometimes it truly, truly is to walk that, that kind of, that kind of mileage or even do like, even get yourself out there. You know, sometimes that's all you can do and that's fine too. Yeah. Attitude and expectations. So important, not just on the trail, but in just about everything we do. Right. I mean, the way you go into something is going to determine what you get out of it. And so I think that's, that's an excellent piece of advice. Thanks, Neon. You're welcome. Okay. Now I forgot to ask what, uh, what's at the end of this project? Is there a, is there a movie deal? I mean, when can I buy a ticket to see this on the big screen or is there, is there a book coming? What's going on here? Um, I began some conversations about writing a book and we've actually just put out um, an offer for autumn of 2023 to do a traveling speaking series. Fantastic. You're gonna have to let me know when that is kind of finalized when you have some dates, so we can get that out there on, in the, in the Twitter sphere or Instagram sphere or whatever, whatever sphere we want to put it out there. I will, I will be in attendance. Okay. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Fidget and Neon. I want to thank them for joining us this week. Ladies, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures, including this, this final leg of the trip? We're most active on Instagram. We would really appreciate if you like reading the stories, um, subscribing to our blog, If you've got an extra buck or two a month, our Patreon is what's keeping us afloat. Like literally we we just spent money on epoxy to seal some some holes in our boat. So that's because of our patrons. Uh, We're also on YouTube, our Instagram content posts over to Facebook. We've got Twitter and, and sometimes I go accidentally offend people on Reddit. So. All right. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I didn't hear you mention TikTok. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymirror at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Ladies, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, Uh, some sort of adventure media out there to keep our listeners connected to the outdoor adventure experience. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? And again, it's a, it's a twofer. Um, All right, then I've got a twofer for you. Um, For your listeners, I think a really helpful piece of online media is a website called Treeline Review. Especially if you have, um, female listeners, they, they do a lot of, well, they do it for everybody, for all bodies, for all types. And it's just really comprehensive gear reviews. And then if you're looking for a good read, one that I've really, really enjoyed recently was uh, Sun is a Compass by Carolyn Van Hemert. It was incredible piece of writing and just a mind blowing journey. Okay. Those are both excellent recommendations. Thank you. Neon? Um, I would say something I discovered a few years ago um by uh, the woman who created it was a film festival called uh no man's land film festival and it pro promotes women's film fests like it's an adventure film fest but most adventure film fests are like very male centered and very male 
um, oriented. And this one was very specifically like, no, the a woman has to be like the main character. Like it's not as much about like the, the film. Now it's more about the filmmaker, but when they first started, it was like the, the focus is on the women. Uh, I, I love the title. No man's land. Right. Yeah. It has usually that has one connotation to it, but the way, the way that it's used here, that's, you know, it's like men that way, you know, no man's, this is not, this is no man's land. You're, you're not allowed here. We're, we're going to talk about the, the female experience out there. Yeah. Or show up and listen, but, yeah. but let us, let us lead for a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time tonight talking about your travels and your background and everything else. One of the things we, we really didn't get into, which, you know, I realize now we, we, we probably should in the next episode, you know, we'll talk about the final leg of your journey, but I, I, I would be honored if we could discuss the female experience out there on the trail and, and how that differs from the male experience. I had, I had the, the pleasure of talking to Christine Reed author of Alone in Wonderland. And we talked about that for a bit. And I would, I would love to hear your thoughts and ideas on that as well. So let's, let's uh, make a promise here and now to include that in our second episode. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay. What have we not asked you? That's my daughter, Half-Calf. She gets a little carried away with her accent there. I'm not sure what kind of accent that is. I have to say that every time, just because it is so, she got more and more excited as she was doing these, these little intro promos. Um, but here, here we are, uh, before we wrap things up, I got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? And so neon or fidget, is there anything you'd like to share before we, we head on out of here? I think then that I just have one more, uh, trail tip which would be, I know we love covering ground and catching miles, but I would love to talk about like on trail zero days. And those, those can, like one day can completely change the nature of your hike. If you're just willing to, to let go and just enjoy being out in that space, man, I can't, you know, I can't laud it enough in terms of space to connect with where you are and to connect with who you are. Nice fidget. I'm going to get a little metaphorical here because you're talking about mile pounding out there and, you know, nose to the grindstone and, and getting, getting the job done and not appreciating what is out there. I think that also applies to everyday real life work life as well. I mean, I feel like the, the nine to five, five days a week, that, those are the mile pounders, right? We're, we're out there mile pounding when we're doing that and we're not not appreciating, appreciating the moment we're in. I think, uh, I think my listeners have heard me kind of venture down this road a couple of times. Maybe it's the age that I'm in, but when I was, when I was young, when we're kids, when we're kids, we're always looking forward, right? We're looking at, we're looking, okay, who's my first girlfriend going to be? Who, where am I going to go to college? What's my career going to be? When am I going to get married? I mean, you're always looking forward. When am I going to drive? When am I going to vote? And then there comes a time in your life Maybe, maybe the period that I'm in right now, when you start looking back and you're thinking about the good old days and remember when we did this and remember, how about that? And, you know, I think the lesson there is to appreciate the moment when you're in it and understand, take, take that zero day and appreciate what's going on while it's going on. 
That's a skill nobody ever tells you about. But here I am, Doc, on the John Freaking Pod. I'm telling you right now, appreciate the moment. Well, even stopping and taking a breath can be helpful. Like some people just go full on, like go, 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 go. And it's just like, if you don't stop and take a breath every once in a while, it's like you're just holding it all in. Yep, that's right. All right. Hey, that's a wrap from the John Freaking Mirror Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, you two? I mean, obviously our Patreon community and um, anybody who threw hikes with a book. A physical book? Yeah. That's, that's extra weight in the pack. No, that's why they get a shout out. Nice. <laughs> nice. Is, is there a certain page limit that uh, they get an extra shout out? I mean, if it's like Stephen King's The Tommyknockers, do they get like a, a big, bigger shout out? I mean, I think the bigger shout out would go to the people who I've heard legends of who on the AT who were reading books and at each shelter, they would like tear out a part of the book that they finished and leave it. And so like three or four people were able to read the book over the course of a season. Like what a cool community building, like goofball, like that's, you know, that's hiker trash at its best, man. Nice. So you have, you have multiple people reading the same book at different times on the same trail that, that again, you have a turn of phrase right there, Fidget. I'm looking forward to the book on this journey written by Fidget. Thank you. Very good. How about you, Neon? Any shout outs? Um, I think I'd just like to say thanks to everybody that's listening. I think that's rad that you like took the time to, to show more interest in us. Yeah. It's a passion and it's a passion for a lot of people. I don't do this to make money. My, my listeners know that there's very, very little, if any money, Mrs. Doc is always asking me, Hey, where's the money for this? I don't see you for hours on end as you're putting this all together, but you know, where, where's the money? And I say, honey, don't worry. I'm making friends. That's, that's the important thing. Okay. Thank you for this time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.